Welcome, everybody. We are live. We are live. My name is Jason Aponte. I am Andrew Pasquini. We're working. That's it. We're working over here. That's it. Let's go, Niners. Let's go, Niners. Hello, hello. We are live. I'm hoping everything works right now. I can't hear myself, but we should be good here in a second. I am Andrew Pasquini. This is the Sprint Ride Option Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Uh, Jason Aponte to my right, as always, and I still don't think I can hear. So, Jason, I'm going to take a second, make sure I get everything figured out. What's going on? Uh, Give me a minute while I figure it out. Yeah, so sorry that we're a little bit late. I just hopped off of Rob's Shoes podcast, which uh, I implore all of you guys to go ahead and follow on YouTube and subscribe. And uh, if you're in watching this on YouTube, please do me a big favor. Make sure that you like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live after post game. both sprint ride options during the week. A lot of content on the channel, but uh, here to talk about a big, big win, the biggest win for the 49ers this, this season so far until the next one. But this one definitely was the biggest one. So some would say the biggest one. Yes. And Jason, you can hear me. Just want to make sure we're yes, good. Sir. You can hear me. We are here. Um, yeah. And that, that's literally what I wanted to open up with. The biggest win of the season for the San Francisco 49ers. And, and it was a game where we got a little bit of both versions of the 49ers that we've seen all season. We got a little bit of the bad 49ers. It started off very slow. Um, the second half, they really cleaned things up. Uh, the offense really started clicking. Um, as a whole, like, like I, I don't want to diminish anything of how big of a win that was, so I'm not going to say anything negative about certain things, about some quarterback play in the first half. Uh, other than that, I thought it was a very good game from the 49ers as a whole. Well, I think that we should talk about that because what I want to talk about that, uh, and the reason I want to talk about it is, is the 49ers have a clear – script that they want to go to but this is the national football league and good teams don't always have those scripts happen there's no perfect world in the nfl so i think that you have to talk about that because the game wasn't going the way that they wanted it to the 49ers were down 14 to 7 there was obviously that interception but that's the mark of a good team a team that when things are not going to plan you find a way to get it done get back to what you want to do and you finish the job i think that is why you should talk about it and that's what makes this win all the more impressive look running over the Rams, running over the Jaguars. That's exactly what you wanted to do. And it probably wasn't even like they were even surprised that they were e- that able, you know, easily to do it. But in this in this game, when things are not going your way and you're able to overcome certain things, I think that's what makes this win the most impressive because it definitely didn't go the way that they thought it would in the beginning. No, not at all. As I said, like a very slow start from the offense. And that's it's not really a riff on anybody. It's just kind of what it was. I believe the Niners at some point were behind 14 to seven. It kind of felt like a, if the first half didn't instill very much confidence in how the game actually ended up going on uh, the defense. I know they gave up a good amount of points and it happens. It's a, it's a good Vikings offense. I thought the defense played very well. We got another punch out from uh, peanut Norman. That's just what we're going to call him now. Doesn't do much in coverage, but Hey, he can punch that ball out whenever he needs to. Um, little things like that. Aziz Alshair probably had his best game of the season. I, I, is that fair to say? Oh yeah. Think, things like that. Uh, another player who had his best game of the season. I know we don't say his name on this podcast. Tom Compton. He was out there. He was pretty good at the right tackle. Just a lot of very good individual parts. Um, 
but yeah, man, as Jason said, the game could not have started worse for the 49ers. It kind of felt like it, it took them a while to get going. And I kind of have a theory on that that, that we'll dive into later. Um, but but yeah, man, I, it was another game that showed why Debo Samuel is the most important part of this offense, most important part of this team. Uh, obviously, they don't have him against Seattle. That's a Friday episode thing. Um, but Jason, I guess we'll start. What was your, what was your biggest takeaway, individual standpoint, whatever you want to call it, uh, from the Niners yesterday? Just the, the impressive way that you got punched, things weren't going your way. You punched back and you were able to get right back and do what you wanted to do. That game swung right when they scored it before the half scored right after the half. That's how you draw it up. Then you get the Aziz Alshair interception, put some respect on that man. And that's why when you said that we were disrespecting Drake Greenlaw, nah, we were bigging up Aziz Alshair. There's a big difference. And then they score again. The game starts to flow the way that you thought it would. Put the, put the Seahawks, see what I'm already thinking about? Put the Vikings in a position that they didn't want to be in, which is taking away the run in terms of that, which is something that the 49ers tried to focus in on and stop. And it, it put them right back in the driver's seat of the game. So, and that's, again, that's going to be my biggest takeaway. This game is not perfect. This league is not going to be easy. You're not just going to roll people over like that every week. There's going to be teams that are going to punch you. Can you punch yeah. back? And can you get things back on track? The 49ers did that. And that was my biggest takeaway in this game. Yeah, and Chris, really echoing your point, beating good teams like the Rams was great. But when you beat a team that puts your back against the wall and slaps you around a bit more, uh, it's more impressive. And very, very much so. Like as fun as that Rams one was, as much fun as we had, this this is as Jason opened the show up with. This is the win of the year for the 49ers. This this was not an easy game whatsoever, and it never was going to be. I, I tweeted right before the game that this game screams tie to me, uh, because that's just how much I felt the Niners and 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 uh, Vikings. I almost said Seahawks too. We're looking we're looking forward to that game a little bit, aren't we? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, the Vikings, that's who they are. And, and they're just kind of the same team as the Niners. And the big, the big key to me, man, is I, and, and I said, I said it on uh, Friday when we previewed it, <laughs> there's Seattle Jordan. Hey, what's up, Seattle Jordan, Seattle uh, Jordan, Seattle Jordan's here. Um, is I was worried about the Niners defense being able to force turnovers and they forced two both on first plays of drives to put the Niners right into field position to score. And I believe they executed touchdowns on both of those situations, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so that that's something I, I noticed, man, is the defense. Yeah. As I said, yes, they, they gave up a bunch of points. The, the 26 points is, is a good amount. It should have been a couple more. I think they messed up a two point conversion or missed a PAT or something. Um, but when when the game came down to it, the de the defense held its own. Yeah, and that's it. The defense was solid. Obviously, we we knew that this game was going to have points scored on my on Minnesota side, and it, that's just based on their weapons and the way that Kirk Cousins has been playing. Like it just you had to expect points to happen, right? And we we worried if the pass rush is going to get there for a large part of this game. It was only Nick Bosa that it was really happening that this team was going to be able to score points, and they did. And they they put a I think that like Andrew was like maybe two points away from the the, the correct prediction like you know we knew the 49ers were going to be able to score mm -hmm. we knew that they were going to have to score so I think I, or that we knew that they were going to score and they did and and I think again the 49ers made enough stops impressive play by Aziz Alshair um, Staple Kevin Givens was somebody who who stood out made a big play on the Dalvin Cook you know injury which that sucks man I hope that he's okay um, but at the same time man. Again, making enough stops, sign of a good team, being able to finish games off. The game would have been iced 
Um, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Um, you know, but I wasn't it, gonna say his name. But it, it, it didn't get iced. So there was one more drive. Obviously, the 49ers defense stomped that off. But it would have been really cool to see that drive not really matter as much. And it was, you know, for everybody's blood pressure. But hey, not to nitpick. It's fine. Special teams as a whole had a tough game. Um, yeah. Kickoff return. That's another thing that happened in this game. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski not downing punts in, getting them in the, everything into the end zone. So, you know, again, all facets, you're not always going to play a perfect game. Things are not always going yeah. to be perfect, but you always have to find a way to win the game. And I think that if you would have told me that this team would be able to do this a few weeks ago when I was jumping off the bridge with, you know, my season's overtake, I would have said there's no way it, because things need to be perfect. Yeah, and, and I mean – Jason's just absolutely right on all of it. Is it, this this wasn't a game that three four weeks ago? Like I, I remember, it, it's so funny how how much things change in, in the NFL, and that's something Jason Aponte has been preaching all year. The NFL is a week to week league, and and a month ago we're looking at the schedule saying the Bears, the Cardinals, the Rams, the uh, the Vikings. Or, you know, Jacksonville's in there, but Jacksonville's not in there. And you say, well, hopefully they can beat the Bears. They're probably not going to beat the Cardinals. They're probably not going to beat the Rams. They're probably not going to beat the Vikings. And now all of a sudden you look at their schedule and it's like, yeah, Seattle, that should be a win. Uh, then they got Atlanta. That's a team going for a wild card spot. That should be a win. Things like that. And, and, and it's just so crazy how much this is. The, the team has changed. The, the team has absolutely changed. The feeling of this team has changed. A lot of that has to do with how the quarterback's been performing, but it just really feels like we have gotten over the last five weeks, the closest version we've seen to the 2019 Niners that we've seen since the 2019 Niners. Yeah. And that's three in a row, four of the last five. And for all the people, you know, like us that wanted Trey Lance to start, this isn't going to happen as long as they're winning games. And you can say whatever you want about how Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing. Obviously, when you look back, there's some throws that he missed. Fine, but he did enough. They win again. They keep winning when he's starting. And as long as that happens, I, I don't know. They, you're not going to see Trey. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, Jamaican um, boy, thank you for the donation. Yeah. Thank you, uh, yeah. You know, Mitch missing the tackle. Oh, I was told he was a great tackler. That's yeah, yeah. That's I didn't I, I didn't want to get to that point, but yeah, that that, that is what it is. Uh, Big Des, thank you too. I give Shanahan some credit. Came off his high horse, started calling an easier gameplay and running the clock. Uh, Ryan calling some good streams also. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I agree. Um, One more thing I wanted to point out. I was just on Rob Shoes podcast and he made yes. a good good point. Right. Um, shout out to him. You need to subscribe to his podcast as well too. Amazing clarity on the on the on, on his camera and his his radio voice is incredible. The guy's so super knowledgeable, but. It almost felt like after the Jimmy Garoppolo interception and you see Kyle Shanahan cursing at Jimmy Garoppolo that it kind of snapped back in his head. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're getting right back to the run game. Like we're not going to mess around. And this is a, and and it almost felt like that was a wake-up call because it didn't start that way. They start out with a few passes and everybody's like, what on earth are you doing? So I don't want to say that he needed that, but it definitely helped that that interception happened that quickly because Kyle Shanahan said, oh, okay. Now we're going right back to running the ball, and I think that was kind of a wake up call. Can I can I can I spit my theory out that that Go I kind it. of tease at the start? I want to see what you think. Go for it. Um, so I, I, a lot of people are complaining that that Kittle wasn't as ball as involved. No, I'm not. God, Dylan, thank you. I appreciate the question. Uh, I love you, Dylan. Um, God, Christ, man. <laughs> um, so, so my theory here is, and this this might take a second to explain. I need Jay Jason. If you tell me I'm wrong, I'll never mention this again. Uh, people have been talking about the little targets uh, George Kittle saw on uh, yesterday. I'm starting to think 
that we drive to drive. Kyle Shanahan has a set of plays that he has the comfort level of where he has Jimmy Garoppolo at. And it, it comes down to who the best performing receiver is at the time. And Debo Samuel has been very good. And that's why he's gotten the brunt of this, right? He's gotten a brunt of this offense. So the base level of the offense is it's going to Debo. And, and maybe the past couple of weeks it's switched because Ayuk's gotten a lot more targets than Debo. Then the second layer is I need him comfortable enough where we can get Ayuk involved. And then the third layer is, okay, now we can get Kittle going because the things we do in the offense with Kittle are a little different. I don't know, man. I'm trying to make sense of the lack of Kittle targets yesterday, um, but but maybe it's a drive-to-drive comfort level of where Kyle Shanahan feels Jimmy Garoppolo is. And that's when, you know, if, if he's not feeling very comfortable, that's when Ayuk's getting more targets or Debo's getting more targets. And when he's feeling more comfortable, that's when Kittle's getting it. That That's just my theory that I'm throwing out there with no base. No. No, and I like it because this, that kind of coincides with what I was talking about. When Kyle's yelling at Jimmy, he realizes, okay, that's it. We're not gonna, we're not gonna start to push the ball. We're not gonna do this. We're just gonna get back to basics. And what does George Kittle offer? Is if we're gonna run the ball, the blocking that he offers is invaluable. And I agree with you. It it, it takes certain plays out of the playbook. It's like mm-hmm. once because it was the second play of the game, and for some reason, Seattle Jordan kind of reminds me of. Uh, San Francisco Jordan uh, or San Jose Jordan because he posted a play. It was the second play of the game. George Kittle's running free, mm-hmm. free in the middle of the field. And it's a little bit of a deeper shot. But if Jimmy Garoppolo gets it in his in his area, it is not only a big gain, it might be a touchdown. And when yes. you see that not get when you see that not get hit and then the interception happens, it's okay. We're taking this out now. We can't go to it. So th- I, I agree with you in that portion of it. And again, we are speculating, but it sure feels like that. When, when that happened, Kyle Shanahan was upset, man, upset. And and Jimmy Garoppolo, hey, he responded well. Say he what you want about him yelling. He responded well, and that was it. He was fine for the rest of the game. I do want to say this. The second half, Jimmy Garoppolo made some throws, man. He was in the pocket getting hit. Mm-hmm. He made some throws. That touchdown that was almost to Jennings that he he didn't get his shin down, whatever it was, that was a yeah. dark. Like, you know, so, mm-hmm. I mean, again – that I think is what is the maddening experience with Jimmy Garoppolo is for all of those other throws and reads that you see missed. There are so many other throws that you're like, look, there it is. Why mm-hmm. can't we get that consistently? And I think that's the, that's the point, but uh, let's take this uh, contribution right here. Oh yeah. Chris, thank you very much. Debo out for the game. Do we need the defense to be the reason we win? Our offense is never very successful against Seattle, especially in Seattle. Um, yeah. And I mean, that gets a little tougher because literally all the linebackers not named Aziz Al-Shair are hurt right now. Um, and, and so like, obviously I know Fred Warner's not having his best year, but he's still the heart and soul of this defense. Um, I, I would say losing Fred Warner to the defense is more important than Debo Samuel's loss to of the offense. And I know that sounds wild because Debo has been so good, but like I trust Kyle Shanahan. Like now I think Ayuk's going to get more involved, even more involved than he has the past couple of weeks. Uh, we had a little bit of a Trent Sherfield sighting yesterday. So maybe, maybe Sherfield gets more involved against Seattle. I, I just, I don't know right now. And, and I'm, I think my brain is too focused on the Minnesota game to really think about it. I, I don't know what the loss of Debo and what the loss of Fred Warner is going to specifically look like against the Seahawks. I think it obviously makes it significantly tougher. Now, am I saying is it going to make Seattle the team I think is going to win? I don't know. Jason, maybe you can fill me in on that. Uh, did but I say, DFF. Did I, did I, I, say I forgot about good? DFF. I apologize. Did I, say, no. did, did, I, did I say he was good at any moment in this podcast? I, I mean, 
I, I, I forgot DFF when I mentioned the linebackers. I'm not, I, I didn't even mention his me. name. What, yeah, did I, I don't know why. I don't know why Jason's getting yelled at. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it, guys. If you want to yell at me for my Javante Williams over Elijah Mitchell take, you can. But I literally didn't say anything about this. Um, yeah. So I don't know why you're yelling at me, Matthew. So so yeah. So I think it's a little too early to worry about what it means for the Seattle game, at least in terms of this podcast. We'll have full thoughts on that on Friday. So so to get to that, yes. Um, I think the defense is going to have to step in, but with Fred Warner gone, it, it, it creates a thing. Um, and so, so Jason, I want to go back to your point about Garoppolo, and it wasn't even the second half. His good throws started right before the first half ended. I mean, he had that bullet to Ayuk for 24 yards right before the touchdown to Jennings. And, I mean, you want to talk about a huge switch in the game. Minnesota's up 14-7. to The Niners score with 18 seconds left in the, in the first half to make it 14-14. The Niners then go down and score a touchdown on their opening drive of the second half. So they they complete the two for one, go up 21-14, and then uh, Cousins has the interception. Niners score a touchdown on the very next play. Uh, so that that's really – that's a 21-point swing right there. So, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, very good starting in the first half. And I, I just – I felt like maybe he responded very well to whatever Shanahan said after that first drive. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, you can – nitpick on the way that he treats players or whatever but if the re- the result is what you want then that's it you really can't nitpick it or anything like that i mean obviously a lot of us had issues with the way that he was handling brandon Ayuk, um but look what look what he's been doing and uh he yelled at jimmy and jimmy got in shape and that was it and he made some throws in that second half man he stood in the pocket he took some hits the uh, that offensive line was getting pushed around particularly on the right side Brunskill had a game that was a little bit rough, man. He gave up a bunch mm-hmm. of pressures. Even Trent Williams gave up pressures in this game. Yeah, and that's really, that's really crazy to think that they didn't have many edge rushers and they didn't have their, their whole defensive line intact. But th- this offensive line, they kind of took a beating yesterday. Even, you know, Trent Williams gave up a QB hit. I, I had no idea that that was even possible. I thought that that was something that you could just make up. Like, it's not something that's real. So, um, yeah, I just – I think that he responded well, and that's it. And as long as they win games, just find a way to have more points at the end of the game than the other team, and then you'll worry about the rest later on. So if you have concerns with certain things that are going on in the offense that could rear his head in, in other games, you know, that's fine. But you really can't nitpick wins when they when they happen this way. And Jimmy Garoppolo played fine down the stretch. Yeah, and, and maybe a large part of that is uh, – I mean, how many times can we say it, Jason, the running attack? Uh, Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell combined for that's 33 carries for 199 yards. Uh, Elijah Mitchell obviously getting the brunt of it, uh, 27 carries for 133. Uh, Debo having two touchdowns on the ground, which I think I tweeted out that he they, they, Fox said the first receiver to have five rushing touchdowns in a season. Uh, the PFF chart I saw had Taysom Hill listed as a receiver and he had eight touchdowns last year. So whatever you want to see it, however you want to say it, uh, Debo Samuel's having a historical year on the ground and Jason, we could finally, like, I wish I bought like those poppers, um, Debo Samuel over a thousand yards receiving on the season. There it is, man. It only took, uh, like seven quarters when it, when it should have happened. So here, let's take this question real quick from Adam. What's up with the Jalen Moore situation? It seems to me that we kind of cautioned of this whole, hey, anybody can play right tackle when they've never played right tackle. And here we are. Tom Compton's your starter. Mm -hmm. Seems like we told you about that. It's not flag football. It's not Pop Warner. You can't just play left tackle and then switch over to right tackle. Fortunately, he got benched in Jacksonville, and they can't live with those bumps and bruises right now because they are trying to win games. So in this regard, 
yeah, Kyle Shanahan is mitigating his risk and playing a guy that, hey, Tom Compton was fine. I know we make a lot of jokes about him and everything. He was yeah. fine in this game. Like, he he was fine. You didn't really hear his name called too much, um, but this is it. Jalen, they don't want to stick with Jalen Moore and take the lumps anymore. He, mm-hmm. he had problems with stunts. He had problems with protections in Jacksonville, and it was evident, and he got benched, and that's it. Kyle Shanahan is done with the whole uh, rookie experience, and that's it. It's Tom Compton's show now. That's it, man. Yeah, and, and it's um... – it is what it is. Uh, you know, you don't want to lose McGlinchey. This is why you don't want to lose McGlinchey, uh, because McGlinchey is very good and people don't give enough credit. Um, and then uh, BV50 asked, is Fred's injury serious? Uh, he's out one to two weeks. It, in terms of long term, no, it's not serious, but he's out. And he started the last two games, uh, Adam. Uh, Jalen Moore started the last two games, got pulled for an injury against the Rams, Correct. and then just got benched against the Jaguars. So no, before the before the second half started, he got benched uh, when he gave up two pressures in a row. He missed on stunts with uh, Br- mm-hmm. Brunskill. It was really bad. Yeah. So 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 obviously, like, there's the issue with it. But hey, if if the Niners get what they got from Tom Compton yesterday, it's not going to hurt. Tom Compton's not going to hurt you until he's going to hurt you. So we'll find out if when that is. Uh, Jason, I, I, I know, I know. Uh, we, we've kind of touched on a little bit of everything. We haven't gone very linear. Is there any names that we haven't said yet that you want to make sure are mentioned before you know we, we move on to the next parts of the podcast? Uh, Tadanoa Hufanga in coverage, not what you Man. want all the time, right? Yeah, like I, again, you'll take the bumps and bruises. He's learning, and and I'm with that as well too. I just didn't understand the whole single high thing. That second Adam Thielen touchdown, he looked like he was covering grass. He didn't know where to go. And that's a connection between Thielen and Cousins where they literally went to the space that he was not and they threw the ball there. Mm -hmm. That's why, listen, you want to get the reps. And now he is in Seattle. He's going to get the reps, but you need to play him much closer to the line of scrimmage. You can't have him out there trying to diagnose coverages and and being forced to cover. I think that's where the mistakes are going to come in. So now that the the 49ers are going to be down so many linebackers, I think you see Hufanga more in that will role and a lot closer to the line of scrimmage where he can get downhill and make plays like you saw in Jacksonville when he made that play with Tart and Ward on the field on Trevor Lawrence. You need to get him in position where he plays with instinct and he doesn't have to think too much and diagnose the coverages because he's still a little green there at this point mm-hmm. and it kind of reared its head in this game a little bit. Yeah, to me, I think you have to use Hufanga at this point, at this time, just kind of specifically a linebacker. His over-the-top coverage is not what you want from a safety and i mean obviously it's it's um it, it's hard to compare how actually good hufang is when we've had you know we've been very spoiled with with wharton tart and their ability to cover over the top but obviously he struggles in some coverage so maybe maybe he's the second linebacker on sunday against seattle because as we know uh warner's out uh Greenlaw's probably out and then uh marcel harris is by the way marcel harris he, he, I've I noticed him a little bit at the linebacker. At least I haven't seen the tape on it. I'm gonna watch the tape guy again. That's what I'm telling my brain again. Uh, but but on the TV broadcast, he looked. I I noticed him in some spots that that he looked like he was in the good spot. Um, Jamaican boy, another two two dollar donation. Thank you. Uh, D'Amico needs to put Ufanga in spy and blitz. Yeah, things like I just I I, I don't trust him in coverage. That, that's really the big thing. And uh, with Marcel Harris, now he's going through the concussion protocol. So there's a lot of injuries. And, and I think that what I wanted to say about Fred going into the Seattle game, because I know that that's for the preview. 
I would love Fred to be there for obvious reasons, but I think the calming nature, because that stadium is going to be rocking, you know, no yes. matter what happens in this game and what's going to be going forward, is Fred being able to calm everybody down and offer that stability. Look, we love Aziz Al-Shair, but I would be remiss in trying to tell you that Aziz Al-Shair is going to step right in and just be Fred Warner, because yeah. that's just not possible, and that's not expectations that you need to have at this point, because that's going to set you up for disappointment. I would love Fred to be there. It, it, it needs to be all hands on deck. That's why when Andrew said that he's more worried about Fred being missing than Debo, that doesn't sound as crazy as it is because on defense, that's when you need that calming, hey, I'm the captain, look at me and everything and keep everybody calm and keep everybody in their, in their space. So I think that's where he'll be missed the most, if that makes sense. And that sounds cliche. This is why I like Jason is he says the things that my brain don't fully form the thoughts on and he makes it sound so much better. Uh, in the box with Aziz Warner, uh, Hufanga, can, yeah, like, I, I I would be fine with that. Like I like I, I think Jason people get it mixed up when we say Hufanga, sh- you know, shouldn't play over Tart. That we don't like Hufanga. No. Hufanga is good in very specific spots. I like him running downhill. Like he, he is very good at that. Like he is an explosive player, but just I I don't want him anything to do over the top right now. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where it's at. And he just has to be a guy who plays with instinct. That's it. Obviously, the speed's not there, but if he's starting to play with instinct and he's able to break on balls, that's when he's going to be at his strength. And that's when D'Amico has to put him. He has to move him around and put him closer to the line of scrimmage just to put him in positions to win. Obviously, all those other things in coverage will come. He's going to be the starting strong safety next year. We pretty much kind of know that at this point. Jaquaski Tart, I wouldn't expect to be back. Um, he has a, a few more games left in his 49ers career, in my opinion. But it's going to be Ufanga going forward. You You teach him all those things later on. But as of right now, as a playoff team, you cannot live with those mistakes at this point. And that's the whole point of Kyle Shanahan telling you, I'm not going to put guys out there just to get reps because those are the things that cost you in big plays. Perfect. So uh, I think that's really it for this game specifically, unless you have anything else. I think we kind of touched on all the key Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. I was going to mention him in a little bit because he had a very quiet three reception for 96-yard game. Um, but he's very good. Like, like that, that's why I, like, I think in some senses he has, and maybe it's just because of Kyle Shanahan's using Debo more in the run game. I almost feel like the past couple weeks, Debo has jumped over Samuel, at least in the internal, um, depth chart in Kyle Shanahan's brain, which, you know, we'll never get to see what that actually looks like because I just, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, well, as I said, it, it, it's not a coincidence that I think because Debo's running the ball more, they're using him less in the receiving game. Uh, but but I, I just think maybe the first eight weeks of the season not really using Ayuk did something, and that, that's what it is. Again, we can – we can talk about what we didn't like about how how it was done, whatever. Right now, Ayuk's responding, and that's it. That's all you can ask for. And, and and it couldn't have come at a better time, especially going into the Seattle game, because it's going to be him in this game that is going to have to shoulder yep. the load with Debo out. Um, I mean, he may not miss more than one game, but I don't expect Debo in this game. And I honestly, if I was the coach, which I'm not, or if I was making the decisions, I probably wouldn't risk him. Debo Samuel is too important to what you want to do going forward, right? And you know what? 
uh, depending on the outcome of this game, I don't think it'll really change the way I feel of the Seattle Seahawks, but I'm absolutely nervous for this game because whenever they play, they play the best that they can. And Brandon Ayuk's going to have to be that person that steps up into that role and, and shoulders a little bit more of that offensive load because they're already leaning on Elijah Mitchell a ton. Already. They cannot give him any more work at this point. Like, it's almost physically impossible. And with the way that, unfortunately, Jeff Wilson is not responding right now, whether that's his knee, whether that's whatever, he's just not playing well. Trey Sermon is going to be out for a while now in this game. So realistically, your three running backs going into this game, unless they pick somebody up off the waiver wire or the practice squad, Duke Johnson, um, it would be, it would just be Elijah Mitchell, Trenton Cannon, and Jeff Wilson, unless Jermichael Hasty can make it back. So uh, yeah, it's going to have to be Brandon Ayuk in this game. And thank God that he's ascending right now and playing as well as he is because it couldn't have come at a more opportune time right now. Uh, Joe Mama, great name. Uh, I thank love you it. for the donation. Uh, say what yeah. you want about Hufanga's coverage, but I'll take his coverage over Josh Norman's right now. Is the force fumbles enough to keep Demo off the field? Well, the problem is, is this, is that Norman plays corner. Hufanga, you can't put yeah. him in corner. So, like, uh, it's two different positions. But I'm glad that you brought this up because this has been a nice talking point in the discussion, right, on yes. Twitter. Because there is a, a world where people are saying, hey, look, you live with the you live with the penalties. You live with the ball going over his head because he punches the ball out. I don't know, man. I, I just get scared that it's going to be a game where it just is really going to get to a point where he's going to – he held Justin Jefferson and still got beat. Like, he held him. And he still got baked. Um, and for a veteran, okay, cool. You're punching the ball out, but you didn't get the fumble. You punched it out. It didn't, it didn't get recovered. So cool. You forced the fumble. I get it. And that's opportunistic play. But I'm just afraid that there's going to be a game where he doesn't force a fumble and all he's doing yeah. is getting cooked over his head. And I think that that's the portion that should get you a little bit nervous, at least with Lenore. If that is what's happening, you know that he's gaining reps. He's learning a little bit more. Josh Norm is not learning anything. One more thing I want to point out. Another thing that worries me about Josh Norman is less about his cover skills and the fact that he's blowing assignments. He yes. is just going rogue, and he is just not – people are yelling at him to switch off. K1 Williams is yelling at him to switch off. He just goes and does his own thing. Yep. Big game for Cooper Cup. Um, the Mo Ali Cox touchdown, Tart is going like this, telling him it's a switch off. Guess what he does? He runs to the line of scrimmage. Those are the plays that are going to show up, and it, it eventually, if you continue to do that and it doesn't get called out – will cost you down the line. Yes. So that's what I'm more worried about with Josh Norman. At least with Lenore, he's learning. Josh Norman seems to just be going rogue. And that's the part that scares the hell out of me. And I don't know why it's not being checked. Yeah, and I'll just play devil's advocate. And I, I don't think I have a very strong case for it because uh, I agree with everything Jason said. Uh, this is a Niner defense that struggles with forcing turnovers. And if you got a guy who's who's punching the ball out on regularity – it holds value. It'll like, I'm not going to say that's a reason to, to, to start Norman. Cause yeah, you're right. Norman has been very bad in coverage and that's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, but, but he is creating opportunities for the 49ers defense to force turnover, something they needed to do. Um, so, so, so that, that's my very weak, just devil's advocate argument, Jason. It's not great, but it, it's something that does exist. That, that, that's all I really want to point out. Yeah, and again, I'm fine with the whole veteran thing if the veteran is not costing you with penalties, yes. not uh, going rogue on simple assignments. Like, you know, those switch-offs, those are things that it, – it, it's not like, oh, well, he's his first year in the scheme. No, that's very simple stuff. If it's yeah. a rub route, then you just switch off, and all you have to do is communicate. And it seems like Josh Norman is just like, I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. And the habit just be 
you know, hey, he's punching the ball out so we can let all that slide. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that going mm-hmm. forward. And no, especially, when they, especially as the games get bigger. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, all right, Jason, before we get to three stars, I wanted just new segment alert. Where do the 49ers sit in the playoffs? Because we can do that right now. Wow. Uh, Niners sit at the sixth seed at six and five. The season ended right now. They would be playing the Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. Some teams to watch out for this week. The Vikings, obviously. They're the team directly behind. They're playing the Lions this week. Go Lions, Don Burr. Big fan. Uh, the, the Falcons and Saints are also five and six. The Falcons have the Buccaneers. And the Saints have the Cowboys and a couple five and seven teams after that. Not too worried about them right now because the Niners have a two-game lead on them. So that's where the Niners sit in the playoffs. As I said, we can talk about it because it exists and it's a very real conversation that needs to be had. Uh, Jason, let's let's start with the three stars of the game for the 49ers. Uh, do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I can go first. Number three, I'm going to say Kevin Gibbons. And nobody's really been saying his name at all. I mean, he he blows up that play. He he looks like the interior pressure that they're going to need going into this Seattle game. Hopefully D4 returns uh, and they can get um, – uh, outside pressure but the interior pressure is where it's going to be because Russell Wilson likes to step up into that pocket you want to make sure that you have somebody in there who is at least obstructing his view because he doesn't want to just bail right away like Kyler Murray does he'll at least climb the pocket and then bail so um Kevin Gibbons playing well is uh is great because I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited for him because we've always seen the glimpses and now he's playing and he he made a big play in, in this game um which uh causes Isla Shire to get a, a fumble recovery so shout out to Kevin Gibbons man I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. for you buddy uh i'm gonna go my third star debo samuel uh kind of the same reason as yesterday or last week um but i think i think two other players kind of outshined him this week uh that's why he's my third star jason uh he didn't have a huge impact on the receiving game again four targets one reception 12 yards hey congratulations over a thousand receiving yards on the season uh but but where he impacted the game is his six carries for 66 yards i know a chunk of that came on i believe a 50 yard run they had uh, but two more touchdowns on the season. I mean, five rushing touchdowns for a receiver is is pretty much unheard of. Uh, so so he was able to impact the game where he could once again. So Debo Samuel, my third star. Nice. Um, and shout out to shout out to uh, to Debo, man. Get well better. Uh, get well better. Get well soon. And uh, what an amazing season, man. You've just been yeah. a joy to watch, and you've just been doing everything that this team has asked. So, um, my second star, Nick Bosa. Uh, 11 sacks um, in 11 games uh, at the top of the league in TFLs. Uh, PFF put out some weird stat that Hassan Reddick has like 85 sacks or 14 sacks or something like that. And it's like, no, he doesn't. Like, where are you guys getting this from? And where are you making up your stats from? Um, but at the same time, Nick Bosa is not even all the way back at this point no. from, from the ACL. Um, the driving force, the main focus continues to get held and held and, and double teamed and, and still is, is dominating. And, and uh, I mean, what the hell can you say? Where, where would this pass rush be without Nick Bosa at this point with all, with all the injuries? Uh, 11 sacks. He's halfway there with six games left. So we'll, we'll see what happens a little behind pace on the all time sack record. Uh, I'm going to go Elijah Mitchell second. Uh, he was just, grossly consistent yesterday uh 15 yards was his longest carry so it's not like he ripped anything extremely long uh 27 carries 133 yards one touchdown i mean he's he's good like i i just i don't know like elijah mitchell like in terms of just based off of what we expected on him on the 2022 or 2021 season as a sixth round pick like he he's he's obviously exceeding those expectations and every time i get a chance to talk about how good he is I'm going to take it. Elijah Mitchell has, has, if, 
<laughs> if Debo Samuel's the heartbeat of this offense, like Elijah Mitchell's the pulse. Because while while Mitchell or while Samuel's what keeps it going, Mitchell is what what also keeps it alive. And, and if, if if Debo isn't having a good game on the in the air or on the ground, because like as I said, one carry was for 55 yards for Debo, so that means he had five carries for 11 yards combined, I believe. On the other, if I'm good at math, Elijah Mitchell kept the run game alive himself. So uh, I'm gonna go Elijah Mitchell second. Yeah, and you have to be impressed with somebody who's been thrust into this role. This is the first time Kyle Shanahan has a bell cow since he's been here. Every other year, it's been two and three, four people, right? But this feels more not like a changing of the guard and more out of necessity. When you start to look at Jeff Wilson Wilson not playing so well, obviously Raheem Mostert gets injured and he was going to be a driving force. Trey Sermon has not panned out. The, The second running back behind... Uh, Elijah Mitchell is Debo Samuel and for Elijah Mitchell to be thrust into this have all of this on him 30 uh, 30 plus touches I'm super impressed by that and the different ways that he's winning he's winning on outside zones big gains in certain games other games he's in between the tackles handling uh what he needs to those tough yards so right now this changing of the garden philosophy in terms of bell cow isn't necessarily something that Kyle Shanahan is like man let's just do this it is out of necessity at this Mm -hmm. point because right now the running game doesn't have anybody else besides Debo Samuel now who is going to be injured, who is producing at a level that's trustworthy at this point. And we we love Jeff Wilson. It's just not happening right now at this point. So I'm just more impressed with the fact that it's all thrown on his plate. And he is he, he just continues to respond, man. What else can you say about Elijah Mitchell? Yeah, you, you couldn't tell me he's a sixer. Like if if you haven't watched football before, you you wouldn't be able to tell me the way he carries the ball as a guy who's a sixth round pick in his first season. Like he, he's been something special. Uh, Jason, I think we might be able to do the thing, maybe. Let's, let's do it. Let's see. Okay, Jason Aponte, number one star in three, two, one. Aziz, Aziz Alshair. There we go. Jason, go ahead, talk. Because I, I, I know you watched the tape on the defense. I haven't quite gotten there yet. I'm just happy, man. I'm just happy because there was a lot of a lot of uh, hate that was thrown our way when we had come out and said, hey, listen, Dre Greenlaw, you don't take Aziz Alshair off the field. Now, they were both on the field at the same time. Realistically, what that does when you see the three linebackers is it takes Kwan Williams off the field. And, you know, you feel a little bit more comfortable with that because Dre Greenlaw is so good in coverage. But Aziz Alshair, man, this was the coming out party. For anybody who was doubting, this is all the glimpses that you see that you saw in this game. You saw the glimpses throughout the season. He has been as solid as they come. For him to show the growth in the pass game, that interception was very impressive to me because what yeah. he did was he called it from the middle and he and he looked right and he read Kirk Cousins' eyes who locked right on the Thielen. He slid as the underneath linebacker. Amazing that another quarterback missed an underneath linebacker in this game and he made a play on the ball. And, and those are the type of impact plays that change games. It immediately led to an Elijah Mitchell touchdown. I am so happy for the kid because I feel people were getting too wrapped up in the Dre Greenlaw narrative of what he did in 2019 and not recognizing what this young man has been doing this season in all facets all facets of the game. And he did have a rough game in Arizona. The entire defense did. But Aziz Al-Shair, this was your coming out party. Uh, eight tackles, seven solo, pass defense, interception, forced fumble. I don't know if you can stuff the stat sheet that much, you know, and that feels like a Fred Warner stat line at this point. So uh, Aziz Alshair, amazing game from you, buddy. And the one thing that I took away from the clip that I posted on Twitter today was after the interception, I implore you guys to go find that tweet and find that clip. Look at D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans is jumping up and down like a kid. And that sort of 
excellent, uh, you know, show of emotion goes to show how much he's pulling for his linebackers, former linebacker, D'Amico Ryans. That's no news to you guys, but I love that because that's a lot of what people jumped uh, on with Robert Sala was that sort of emotion. Looks like he's pulling for his guys. Aziz Alshair is playing well and getting better as he gets more reps. I'm so happy for the kid, man. Adam, uh, haven't seen your name too much. Uh, we, we've said it before with PFF. Uh, don't don't take it as the Bible, man. It's it's a good jumping off point. I don't know, but, man. but a lot of those gra- a lot of those grades are uh, subjective. I don't know what they see. And 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 real real quick, I'll give you the PFF spiel because I I was able to pull the curtain back. I was able to do data collection for them. I understand how the grading works. So basically, what happens is is what I did was data collection. So basically, they send you the film, and what you do is you place each player in their right place, meaning. You could be a left right tackle or I mean a left linebacker or an OLRB. They have different ways to put it. So what you do is when you line all those up, they send it to the people who grade it. Now, the grading scale is negative two to positive two, meaning a negative two is the equivalent of a red zone interception and a positive two is the equivalent of a helmet throw to um, to what's the guy's name? David Tyree from from Eli Manning. So you can get anywhere from every play from negative two to two. What I want people to realize is that it's very subjective. What what you see on a play and you gave somebody a zero, I might give them a one. I might yeah. give them a negative one. And then what happens is when you're done with your grading, you send that all to PFF. They have their board of former scouts and coaches who aggregate the score, and that's how they come up with it. I hope that uh, makes sense and is concise enough for people to understand. Yeah, and, and like as I said, I think it's a good place to start a conversation with. I don't think it should be held as as a as a stat that we we carry a ton of weight and that's just kind of our take and it's something we've said before this isn't a new thing uh we we've said it in the past so uh that, that that's really where we stand on pff but if if you it, it, what's weird is like if you look at his just game stats he led the team in tackles he he had the uh interception he had the fumble recovery like he had a very very good game adam we try and teach people things here we, we thank you we, we appreciate the questions and, and all that and we we try and answer best we can um but yeah man aziz was aziz was the guy and and it's it's really fun because people have been going back on their like 2018 53 man. There's a fly flying around. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the the going back on their 53 man projections from like 2018, saying like there's no way Aziz that makes this roster, and now it's like he's he's a large part of this defense. So never stop grinding, kids, because you right. never know when it's gonna click. Right, and what he said in the press conference also as well too was he got back to having fun and he got back to doing the things that got him in the league. And that sounds a lot like something Fred would say. And I, I think that the, all that stuff is is there. When I saw him in training camp, he looked like he had an extra gear. I, I, I kept saying to Jordan when we were there, man, like, did you see Al Shire when he's like, yeah, man, like he looks very good. And it's yeah. translated onto the field, man. I, I could not be um, happier for the kid. And uh, right now, uh, and right now this game, if you weren't a believer before, or if you had your reservations, I think that those kind of go out the window because without those impact plays that he made, um, this game probably goes a different way. Exactly. Uh, the Seahawks currently lead seven to three, uh, halfway or four minutes left in the second quarter. If you wanted your Monday night football update, uh, Jason, I think that's all I have today um I, I think that's all you had today uh, uh no, no 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 wait what are we complaining about nothing complaining about i what mean what are we talking I, about i want to i want to i want to talk to you guys about how excited you should be for this team to be in this position mm-hmm. with this game coming up and how how we couldn't have envisioned this weeks no. ago Right. Like it, it it almost felt impossible for this to happen. But this, the fact remains, this team is four wins out of five, three straight 
and they are in the driver's seat for a playoff position, one game behind the Los Angeles Rams with a chance to take the fifth spot. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about what, what was said after Colt McCoy comes in and whips this team. And for anybody who is still upset about, oh, they're not playing Trey Lance. Oh, they're wasting. Stop. Enjoy. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy these games. The 49ers are winning games, and that is it. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, I am a big results over – I mean, I'm a big process over results guy. Yeah. But in this case, if it results in a win – I don't care how it happens. I don't. Yeah. Whether it's 40 runs, 40 throws, whether they punt the ball every time and just get fumbles on every single play, I don't care. Score more points than the other team, and that is the and that is the mantra of the Sprint Right Option podcast. Seems like people are having a, a tough time with that one in our YouTube comments. They don't really get what the joke is, but um, yeah. Hey, man. Um, per Jesse Rodriguez, stats and info, 6-0 and when they score more points than their opponents. That's it, man. I mean, the hard-hitting that's, analytics. That's but but I just, I, I just want to say, like, you should be enjoying. You yeah. should be enjoying this right now because yeah. this is fun. Not only is this the biggest win of the season, it's going to be going into a chance to have the bigger biggest win of the season, which that doesn't make any sense. And also, that could doubly effectively end an era in Seattle. Exercise yeah. the demons. Like this is like enjoy this week. This is this is a fun ass time right now, and this is not the time to get bogged down into what you think should be happening with this team or how they should be winning games. Yeah, by perfectly said, Jason Aponte. Um, perfectly said, and yeah, man, like you could go back. Like I, I, I endorse. I, I implore people go back and listen to Jason and I what we were saying after the Arizona game against Colt McCoy. <laughs> Dylan, stop it. D- Dylan's just trying to start fights right now, <laughs> and I love Dylan. That, that's all sarcastic. Um, I, I forget where I was at, but yeah, go back and listen to the episode after the Niners lose to Arizona. Uh, the Colt McCoy game, not the first one, and listen to our voices and listen to, uh, to just how tired we were of, of that game and, and how we didn't want to talk about it to now, how excited we are to talk about this team. And and that's all we really could ask for at this point it is something, listen, we can nitpick all of Jimmy's bad throws in the first half. But if you're being honest, you also got to celebrate the very good throws he made at the end of the first half and then the second half. So that's where I'm at with it. it Cause obviously a lot of the, a lot of that stuff stems from the quarterback position, but let's have fun. Nine or six and five. They've won four of five. They're going up to Seattle, the last place Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and we're probably going to have fun with that episode on Friday. Cause it's not too often. We get to talk about the last place Seattle Seahawks. Oh, it's Seattle week. It is Seattle week. And Jason Aponte as always, Let's go Niners. Let's go Niners.